Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is focused on providing our listeners with an up-to-date overview of the financial markets in Kenya. However, due to the interconnected nature of the global economy, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global financial markets so as to provide you with a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the major markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. This podcast is targeted at the individual with an interest in financial markets, but who probably doesn't have the time for research and analysis. That's why I created the Market Color Podcast to collate and analyze the data on your behalf and to present it in a brief and concise manner that is easy for you to consume. This podcast may also be useful to fund managers and investors, professionals in the financial services sector, and business leaders. This week, we are reviewing the performance of the Kenyan markets during the 35th week of 2022, that is from Monday the 29th of August to Friday the 2nd of September. And without further ado, this is your host Jamuhuri and together let's dive right in. We kick off our global review in Europe where according to flash figures from Eurostat, Eurozone inflation hit a record high of 9.1% in the month of August. This was up from 8.9% in July. And this was on the back of high energy prices being the main driving force. The rate was, however, above expectations of 9% and was the ninth consecutive consumer price increase for the region starting way back in November 2021. A new report by Care International shows that food insecurity is increasingly becoming a global concern and suggests that of the 828 million people affected by hunger in 2021, two-thirds of them were women and the situation looks set to deteriorate further with the ongoing invasion of Ukraine by Russia. According to a paper published by USspending.gov, which was released at the Jackson Hole Summit last week, the U.S. Federal Reserve will not be able to contain inflation by itself. The paper argues that without constraints in fiscal spending, interest rate hikes will only make the cost of debt more expensive and drive inflation expectations even higher. In the current situation, inflation is largely being driven by fiscal spending in response to the COVID crisis and therefore simply raising interest rates 
won't be sufficient to bring down inflation. Instead, the high levels of federal debt and continued spending increases from the government will only continue to feed inflation. The U.S. Congress has so far spent $4.5 trillion on COVID-related programs, and the federal debt currently stands at $31 trillion, which is about 123% of the U.S. gross domestic product. Therefore, higher interest rates will only make government debt more expensive to finance. On Friday, the G7, that is the group of seven wealthy nations, agreed to implement a price-capping mechanism on Russian oil exports, seeking to curtail the country's ability to fund its war in Ukraine and at the same time better protect consumers from soaring energy prices. Ahead of the announcement, Moscow issued a warning that it would stop selling oil to countries that impose the price cap and said that the move could lead to a significant destabilization of the global oil markets. The highlight for the week was the U.S. non-farm payrolls, as the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported on Friday that non-farm payrolls rose solidly in the month of August against a backdrop of an otherwise slowing economy. The U.S. economy added 315,000 new jobs in August, which was in line with estimates of 318,000, but way below the 526,000 new jobs added the previous month in July. The unemployment rate rose to 3.7%, a tad bit higher than expectations, largely due to an increase in the labor force participation rate to 62.4%. Wages also continued to rise, with the average hourly earnings increasing 0.3% for the month and 5.2% from a year ago. In the U.S. stock market, equities fell on Friday to cap their third straight weekly decline. This was after a solid August jobs report failed to ease fears that the Federal Reserve will continue its aggressive hiking of interest rates to fight inflation. The Dow Jones Industrial Average eased 370 points to close the session lower by about 1%, at 31,318. The S&P 500 also fell roughly 1% to 3,924, its lowest close since July. And the Nasdaq Composite declined 1.3% to 11,630, recording its fast six-day losing streak since 2019. For the month, The Dow and the S&P lost about 3% and 3.3% respectively, while the Nasdaq fell 4.2%. In the U.S. bond market, the yield on the two-year Treasury note ticked lower on Friday. This was after non-farm payrolls came out in line with expectation and eased concerns that a hot labor market could force the Fed Reserve to continue hiking rates in order to tame inflation. 
Treasury yields have been on a tear in recent days, with the two-year yield climbing to 3.55%, its highest level since 2007. Whilst the 10-year Treasury yield jumped from 3.04% last week to above 3.29% on Thursday. However, the market appeared to cool down on Friday with a two-year yield down 11 basis points at 3.39% and the 10-year falling 7 basis points to 3.19%. In the global commodities market, oil prices rose on Friday on expectations that OPEC Plus will discuss output cuts at its next meeting on the 5th of September. However, concerns about China's COVID-19 lockdowns and weaknesses in the global economy continue to put a damper on the demand for crude oil. Brent crude rose 66 cents to settle at $93 a barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark WTI, that's West Texas Intermediate, rose 26 cents to settle at $86.87 per barrel. Brent posted a weekly drop of 7.9% and WTI declined by 6.7%. Marban oil, which Kenya imports, declined to just below $95 per barrel from $102 the previous week. Gold bounced 1% on Friday as the dollar retreated after the U.S. jobs data came out mostly in line with expectations. However, gold was still set for a third consecutive weekly fall, pressured by an elevated interest rate environment. The price of gold rose 0.9% to $1,711 per ounce, but was still down 1.5% for the week. Gold has been under pressure as global central banks raise interest rates to fight soaring inflation. Remember that higher interest rates increase the opportunity cost of holding the non-yielding asset. From the global markets, we now shift gears to the local scene and we start off by looking at the latest inflation data from Kenya where overall inflation increased to 8.5% in the month of August, which was up from 8.3% in July. Inflation was driven up mainly by elevated food prices, as food inflation remained high but unchanged at 15.3%, while fuel inflation increased to 8.6% from 8% in July. Core inflation, that is non-food, non-fuel inflation, increased to 3.2% from 3.1% in July. On exchange rates, during the week under review, the Kenya shilling remained stable against both major international and regional currencies. The Kenya shilling was trading at 120.05 versus the U.S. dollar, compared to 119.86 the previous week. Against the sterling pound, the Kenya shilling was trading at 139.88 and 120.08 against the euro. 
and against the regional currencies, one Kenya shilling was changing hands for 31.65 Ugandan shillings, 19.42 Tanzanian shillings, and 8.60 Rwandese francs. Please note that the exchange rates quoted in this podcast are those derived from the Central Bank of Kenya website and may not be a true reflection of the real exchange rates available in the foreign exchange market. Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves remained adequate at 7.375 billion US dollars, which is equivalent to 4.2 months of import cover and meets the central bank's statutory requirement to maintain at least four months of import cover. However, despite the reassurance from the central bank, we note with concern the significant decline in reserves from a peak of $8.81 billion recorded on the 30th of December 2021 to the current level of $7.375 billion, a decline of $1.43 billion in a period of just eight months. For your information, foreign exchange reserves are assets such as cash, deposits, treasury bills, and gold that are held by a central bank mainly to support the country's balance of payments. The foreign exchange reserves also help to influence a country's exchange rate as well as maintain confidence in the financial markets. The outlook for the U.S. dollar remains positive as a greenback was set for a weekly gain following the strong jobs data. On Friday, the dollar index, which tracks the currency's performance against a basket of six other major currencies, showed that the U.S. dollar was up 0.6% for the week at 109.61. On the contrary, the outlook for the Kenya shilling remains negative as the shilling continues to depreciate versus the U.S. dollar, mainly driven by local demand for the green bank, as the country continues to import way more than it exports. Case in point, over the past two years, the Kenya shilling has depreciated from a rate of 101.35 that was recorded on the 2nd of January 2020 to the current levels of 120.05, a decline of more than 18%. In the money markets, the liquidity situation in the interbank market showed a marked improvement which was partly the result of increased government payments that helped to offset tax remittances. Commercial bank success reserves in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 42.4 billion shillings. Open market operations remained active with the average interbank rate at 4.9% compared to 5.04% the previous week. During the week, the average number of interbank deals declined to 30 from 31, while the average value traded decreased to 16.9 billion shillings from 20.9 billion shillings the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 1st of September, and the central bank received bids totaling 30.9 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, 
representing a performance of 129%. Interest rates on all the three tenors remained relatively stable, with the 91-day rate rising by 9.3 basis points to 8.86%, and the 182-day rate increasing by 4.4 basis points to 9.57%, while the 364-day rate declined by 3.4 basis points to 9.87%. Treasury bills are a secure short-term investment that is less than one year. They are issued on a weekly basis and represent a borrowing by the government for the purpose of financing the national budget. They are an attractive investment opportunity for both retail and institutional investors. In the primary bond market, the Central Bank of Kenya announced its September bond issue and is looking to raise 50 billion shillings for budgetary support. In this regard, the Central Bank of Kenya has invited bids for two reopened fixed coupon treasury bonds whose terms and conditions are as follows. The first bond is FXD1-2022-010, with 9.6 years left to maturity and a coupon at 13.490%. The second bond is FXD1-2022-015, stroke stroke with 14.5 years left to maturity and a coupon at 13.942%. The bonds are now open for sale until Tuesday the 13th of September. The auction will be held on Wednesday the 14th, and the results will be announced on Thursday the 15th of September. Treasury bonds are a secure medium to long-term investment that is between two years and 30 years. They are issued on a monthly basis by the central bank on behalf of the government of Kenya. Treasury bonds normally pay out interest every six months for the duration of the bond. They represent a borrowing by the government of Kenya for the purpose of financing the national budget. Treasury bonds are an attractive investment opportunity for institutional investors due to the longer-term nature of the investment. We now shift focus to the Nairobi Securities Exchange. During the month of August, the equities market recorded a mixed performance with the NASI and NSE25 declining by 2.5% and 0.6% respectively, while the NSE20 gained by 2.9%. The stock market performance was driven lower, mainly by losses recorded by large-cap stocks such as Safaricom, East African Breweries, and KCB Group, which declined 6.7%, 2.7%, and 0.7% respectively. However, these losses were mitigated by gains recorded by other large-cap stocks such as NCBA, ABSA, Bamburi, and Cooperative Bank, which increased from a high of 16.6% to a low of 4.2%. During the month, the KCB Group announced that it had entered into a final agreement with the shareholders of Trust Merchant Bank, to acquire an 85% stake in the lender, which is based in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Additionally, the International Finance Corporation, IFC, disclosed that it would extend 
$150 million facility that is equivalent to 18 billion shillings to the KCB group in the form of a senior unsecured loan with a maturity of seven years and a grace period of two years. And now we look at the topical issue for this week. This week, we are looking at the change in the borrowing rules for the new president. The outgoing National Assembly has amended the standing orders and will now require Parliament to determine the borrowing limits for each financial year before approving the Treasury's budget policy statement. The new rules state that the resolution of the House on the report of the Public Debt Committee on the Debt Management Strategy shall constitute the appropriate limit on the proposed domestic and foreign borrowing for the next financial year. These changes are aimed at forcing the government to live within its means. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. We hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. For your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Please subscribe and remember to turn on alerts to be notified of new episodes. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhuriG at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And until then, have a blessed and productive week ahead. Thank you.